0: Thinking about coming into this process and having to say the words out loud and relive them was really, really, really scary.
1: It was fun because I think for poets, a really important part of our craft is reading aloud, reciting aloud.
2: It really allowed me, in a very concentrated period, to relive 40 years of my life. Welcome to This is the Author where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks.
1: In this episode, meet marketing executive and entrepreneur Bozma St. John, poet and writer Kamon Felix, and writer and editor Will Schwalbe. Listen in to hear these authors reflect on their recent memoirs and on what it was like to recount the intricacies of love, loss, and friendship while recording their audiobooks. Enjoy.
0: Hi, this is Bozma St. John, author of The Urgent Life. I was inspired by this very moment in time. I think the pandemic caused so many people to feel a profound sense of loss, of sometimes, tragically, family members or friends, but also a loss of normalcy and a loss of safety, a loss of trust. And all of that pooled together just felt like this was the right time. To talk about loss and love and survival. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be terrifying. <laughs> I'm terrified in this little room by myself, feeling claustrophobic. I can see Sebastian. I see Jerry. I can hear Scott, but this shit is scary, and by myself <laughs> with this microphone. Let me tell you something right now, okay? I realized that being raised by Africans in America meant that I've been mispronouncing some words a lot. <laughs> and I didn't even know. <laughs> and some words, which seem easy for me because I write them, I don't know how to pronounce out loud. That was a mystery. Like, buoy. I think I've been saying buyo or something. How terrible is that? But I embarrassed myself. And then the other one, it was... A word that I said, I'll never say again. Startlingly. (gasps) Oh my God, did I say it right, right there? I say it now, right. Startlingly. Am I saying it right? Why couldn't I say that before? So wild. Okay, well, there's that. There were a lot of really hard, hard stories for me to recount. And writing them was difficult. You know, recalling them was difficult. And I felt that once I got them on the page, I felt safer because they were out and I didn't have to touch it again. So thinking about coming into this process and having to say the words out loud and relive them was really, really, really scary. So I'm very proud that I was able to do it myself. Yeah. And that listeners will be able to hear my stories in my own voice. Gosh, there's so many people that I'm inspired by. Well, you know what? Let me put it this way. I hope there's a movie about my book. And if there is, I want Jodie Turner to play me. So how about that? If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I'd want her to read it. I left my job at Netflix in February 2022. And luckily for me, one of my best friends, who's a New York Times bestselling author, Lovie Ajayi-Jones, published... Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual, in May of 2022. I was able to not just read it, but also listen to it in times when I needed to borrow a little courage to keep forging forward, even though I had left a big, big job and decided not to take another one. Yeah. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is on the Stairmaster. I do work out, Six days a week. I know I sound ridiculous, but yes, I work out six days a week and I always start with 20 minutes on the Stairmaster because I'd like to get my cardio out the way and it gives me time to sort of settle in knowing that I've, you know, begun to sweat and work my heart rate up, but it's a perfect time. Good 20 minutes is a perfect time to listen to audiobooks and be able to begin the workout. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. I woke up with a start. Typically, I take my time getting up. The alarm rings, I hit the snooze button, and then I lay back down for a few minutes, curling into the quiet before shaking off the last vestiges of sleep and stepping into the fevered rush of my day. But that morning, I sat up abruptly, my heart heavy, my stomach queasy. I wanted to cry and vomit at the same time. It felt like something was coming.
1: Hi, this is Kimon Felix, author of Dyscalculia: A Heartbreak of Epic Miscalculation. I wrote my book because when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and started to do research about how bipolar disorder manifests the way that it shows up particularly in women, I noticed a lot of overlap with actions and behaviors that had been problematized when I was a child, and also actions and behaviors that I see society actively problematizing, like, you know, a woman being too sad after a heartbreak or a breakup. You always see movies and TV shows where a woman goes through a breakup and Her friends buy her a round of drinks and some food, and they all shit-talk the ex-boyfriend or the ex, whoever the ex is. And at the end, the character seems to feel a little better. She's still sad, but she goes home, and she goes to sleep in the warmth of her friend's love and comfort. I realized as I got older that there are definitely some people who get through breakups this way. I've seen them. I'm friends with them. But I also know that there's a whole other side of sadness that correlates with wellness. And whenever we do see shows and images of women being, quote, out of their minds with sadness or out of their minds with heartbreak, they're always pathologized as being crazy or obsessive. And I wanted to bring all of those conversations, images, into one setting where we could talk about bipolar disorder in particular and dyscalculia, which is one of the symptoms that come with it, especially when you're diagnosed young. We could talk about all of those things and maybe we could highlight some of the harmful ways that we talk about pain and about heartbreak and some of the ways that we dismiss how pain is political and how heartbreak is also political and sociopolitical. So yeah, I just, when I was going through stuff that I was going through, I wanted a book that had all of those things in it. I wanted to read a book about heartbreak that was also about mental health that was also about being Black and womanhood and et cetera. And I couldn't find it, so my best friend told me to wrote it, and I wrote it. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be fun. It was fun because I think for poets, a really important part of our craft is Reading aloud, reciting aloud, and that often gets lost, especially as poets try to navigate different genres like, you know, memoir and nonfiction. And the audiobook is an opportunity to bring some of those old slam poetry techniques and tools that I learned about reading and about speaking to a full length book format via audiobook. I just think it's really cool that people get to hear my voice and the way I read my own work next to the way that their voice reads my work in their head. I've been saying hegemony for like 20 years, and apparently it's hegemony. So that was fun. I'm excited that listeners will get to hear my voice and hear the affect in my voice, especially as I read through different characters in the book and different scenarios and scenes I write with a lot of irony and with a lot of sarcasm and with a very contemporary voice and I'm really excited that listeners will get to hear my voice in their head if I wasn't going to read my audiobook I would cast Anika Noni Rose because I love her and I think that she would take great care of this story and be very thoughtful about what kind of voice to use and where to place it and when she hears this, I'm going to convince her that my next book should be an audiobook that she is casting. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Braiding Sweetgrass. It's phenomenal, really, a really thoughtful take on indigeneity and about how we take care of our communities and the anthropological environments that we've disrupted as humans. It's just a really great book, and it's been nice to listen to it while I cook and just really be able to internalize her voice and her words and the messages that she's sending without having to sit in one place. I love listening to audiobooks while I cook or bake. It's the perfect time. I'm always surprised by how much time cooking and baking takes because in my bipolar-slash-ADHD head, everything should take 15 minutes, but it doesn't, and so having a two-hour audiobook that you can get through while you you know, make food mix making things and mix cooking and listening a lot easier for my bipolar brain. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. As it turns out, nature has a formula that tells us when it's an entity's time to die. There's even an equation for it, where size becomes rule and the laws of expiration must obey. Take the mass of a system of organisms, a species of plant, All mammals, its metabolic rate, read speed of entropy, is equal to its mass taken to three-fourths power.
2: Hi, this is Will Schwalbe, author of We Should Not Be Friends, the Story of a Friendship. We Should Not Be Friends is the story of one of the most important friendships in my life that almost didn't happen. When I was at college in the early 80s, I was asked to join a little-known secret society when I was a senior. And the point of this secret society was to have 15 kids, all of whom were different, so that they could have dinner twice a week and get to know each other. And there was one kid who I took a kind of instant dislike to— He was this loud, obnoxious jock, and I was this gay theater kid, and I had learned to steer a pretty wide berth from the jocks. It is fair to say that this kid, Chris Maxey, known to everyone as Maxey, was a little bit prejudiced against me. But the thing was, I was far more prejudiced against him than he was against me. I made all sorts of assumptions about who he was and who he wanted to be, And through some strange twists of fate, not only did we stop disliking each other, over the years we came to be first friends and then really dear friends. And now, almost 40 years later, I can't imagine my life without him. So I really wanted to write this book just to say to people and to remind myself that we can be friends with far more people than we might think and that not everybody is who you think they are when you first meet them. I think it was emotional to record my audiobook because it really allowed me in a very concentrated period to relive 40 years of my life with lots of ups and downs, and particularly so because during the course of the audio, I had cause to not just remember, but sometimes even speak the words of some people very dear to me who I had lost along the way. But I wouldn't have traded that for anything. I think one of the things about losing people is that it's the forgetting that is really difficult, not the remembering. The remembering is joyful. So one of the things I guess I'm best known for is The End of Your Life Book Club, which is a book I wrote about the books I read with my mother when she was dying. And I got to remember my mother. I got to remember a friend of mine who was killed right after college, and another friend who had been in our senior society, and other people along the way. So while I wrote the book to be funny and warm and to give people a really great feeling and help them remember the crazy, unlikely friendships, I also wrote it as a way of acknowledging all the people who contributed to my life and my friend Maxie's life that got us from where we were to where we are today. One of the things about the book that I'm proudest of is that I really, really tried to be honest in it. I tried to tell everything without varnishing it and without leaving things out. And I think one of the things I'm proudest of in my narration is, with the help of the superb director who helped me create this program, I tried to get at the emotion behind the reading and tried to really remember what I had felt at various times in my life and tried to convey this. And I'll leave it up to the listeners to determine whether I did or didn't. But I'm really proud that I tried, and I'm really excited to have people hear not just my words, but some of the emotions sometimes obvious, sometimes contradictory, that informed not just the writing but the living. I have a couple of dream narrators, and I'm very greedy, so I'm going to name all of them. There's a marvelous book narrator in London, Jeff Harding, and he did my first two memoirs, and I love his voice and his interpretations and the way that he does books. So Jeff Harding is definitely one of them. I'm crazy about Paul Rudd. So, Paul Rudd would have been great. Love Paul Rudd. I mentioned Mark Ruffalo a couple of times for reasons that will be obvious to anyone who's heard the program. And I think Mark Ruffalo would be a fantastic maxi. But also, if you've just listened to this program, you will have heard that I was obsessed with Matt Dillon when I was in college. And yes, I'm still obsessed with Matt Dillon, so it also would have been pretty darn wonderful to have Matt Dillon do this. I do listen to audiobooks, and one of the last great ones I heard was Dirtbag Massachusetts by Isaac Fitzgerald, and I was particularly chuffed that he gave me a blurb for this book, but I loved his, and I loved hearing his voice and hearing him recount his life story. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is when I'm walking around the neighborhood. I'm a big wanderer, and I love to leave my apartment in the West Village in Manhattan and just wander and try to get my 10,000 steps. And while I'm trying to get those 10,000 steps, I love to listen to audiobooks. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. By the time I was a junior at college, I'd already met everyone I cared to know. I was friends with most of the other gays and lesbians. This wasn't difficult because in the early 1980s, not many of us were out of the closet. I was also cordial with most of the lesbians and gays who were still in the closet. It was pretty obvious who they were. I knew the theater people, a group that overlapped almost completely with the gays and lesbians, uncloseted and closeted.